0: We're going to go ahead and continue this morning on what we've been talking about the last two weeks. This will be the last one, and it's the, the, kind of the motto or our roadmap of Living Hope Family Church, and that's to evangelize, equip, and empower. And today we're going to be focusing on the empower aspect of it. We've, we've looked at the last two weeks on evangelization and that's where we, we, got, we want to share the gospel with people because there's a need. There's people that need to hear the truth of the gospel. They need to have the same hope that we have inside of us. They need to, to understand that there's a God who loves them and that he has made a way for them that they, could be, that they could have salvation, that they could have hope, they could have fullness, they could have joy. And that's the first part of it is we tell the world about Jesus. But we don't want to just leave them there. We don't want to be uh, the the kind of people that introduce people to Jesus and then just walk away from them and just leave them where they're at. But We want to continue with them and equip them to be effective in the kingdom of heaven. We want to disciple them. We want to make sure that they know the word, that they have people standing beside them when they fail, to lift them up, to encourage them, and to help them keep moving forward. And then finally, what we're going to look at today is the empowering part. Because how many know that my goal is not for all of us just to sit here and fill a chair every Sunday morning for the rest of our lives? But we have a calling by God to reach the lost. So we want to equip the saints. We want to make sure that they are ready to go out and and preach the gospel, to minister the word, to fulfill the calling that Jesus Christ has for them in their life. And the truth is these these callings that we have, they range from the smallest of things, like that we would think the least honorable of things, like like maybe grounds maintenance or janitorial work. How many know that, that that kind of stuff has to be done in the kingdom of heaven? That somebody's gotta clean the toilets. And how many know that's not a bad thing? We we don't think it looks all that great because you know you don't wanna that's not what most people want to put on the resume, is and I'm a, I'm a toilet cleaner. Matter of fact, it's funny. <laughs> have you ever seen the, the, what they the title for people to make sandwiches at Subway they're not yeah they're sandwich artists they actually make the title sound better so it looks like a better job we're artists but then there's then there's the all the other end of the spectrum you know it's it's the ones that stand out on top They're the ones that you know that they, they look like the, the most glorious positions like you know we want to ordain people as pastors from this body we want to send out and plant new churches and I tell you what, you know, pastors, that's the one that looks on top. That's like the, that's the, that's the job I want. You might not if you ever get to do it, but. <laughs> oh, <it's not> happening. <laughs> but the truth is, is that. <laughs> Sold. <Yeah. laughs> Everyone else is like, thank God, somebody volunteered. <laughs> I, I, I would do it if I had to, but I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, I've been telling John he's going to be doing it, so he's. <laughs> God does answer prayers. <laughs> John, you're <off> the <laughs> but the truth is that the the Church of hey, hey Chris, how you doing? Praise God, come on in. <laughs> but the the Church of Jesus Christ needs all types of people that are willing to serve. How many know that that the body of Christ needs skilled musicians? They need people that can sing. We need people that are skilled at teaching our children. We need people that are, that are good at graphics arts and can do website design and technical stuff. We need people that are good at marketing, and we need people that are willing to go out and serve as missionaries in the world. And then when you get into that, that, that goes from everything to, to people that are just willing to dig ditches all the way up to doctors and nurses who will go and work in the mission field. There's so many opportunities for us to serve, but how many know that that it's not a good idea to get involved in that as soon as you get saved. You need to be equipped and built up. And then once you get to that point, once you're there, once you're ready, once we've worked with people, we want to empower people to fulfill their calling in the ministry. There's so many ways to serve the Lord, and we want to make sure that people have the opportunity to do so, as well as the equipping and preparation to do so as well. So let's go ahead and start looking at some scriptures today. In 1 Corinthians 12:14 through 20, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. How many know that your body, using this example, is made up of all different kinds of parts? And every one of them are important, and everyone has a role. Except maybe the appendix, but that's not what we're talking about today. But every part of your body serves a purpose, and it has a role, in it's, and it's needed for your body to function correctly. And like he's talking about here, there, there are many kind of the, the top shelf parts that we would think of. Like we think, man, if, it would be very difficult to live without your eyes. You can't see. There's many people who do it, and they'll tell you it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And if you didn't have your legs, that would, be, that would be a difficult thing to live with. There's these parts of our body that we think are more important than others. But I want you to know that every part of the body is important. I want you to know that if, if you were to lose your big toe, you would have trouble walking. You wouldn't be able to keep your balance. Something as small as that is still important to your body. And the same thing goes in the body of Christ. There are parts of our, of our body that may not seem that important. Or they may seem like, oh man, I'm, I'm not really, if I'm not a missionary, I'm not really part of the church of Christ. Or if I'm not a children's worker, then I'm, I'm, I'm not really doing anything. But the truth is that every single part is important. And the truth is, as a servant of God, which is our ultimate calling, that irregardless of the title that you may hold someday, is that you are to be a servant in the kingdom of heaven. That is our ultimate calling, is to be a servant, in whatever way that that might present itself. And the truth is, as a servant, being willing to serve means you may operate in many different ways roles as you grow in the kingdom of heaven as you go throughout your Christian walk and you spend time in your churches you might work in a lot of different areas I know I've, I've gone as I've been working through and working with Pastor Mike in the other church I've done everything from cleaning the toilets and putting up chairs and all that stuff to now I'm, I'm pastoring a church and how many know that pastoring a church I still got to clean toilets and put up chairs and, <laughs> and, and still get to do all those things sometimes you're calling changes as you grow you know, there's, the truth is that there's going to be a point where you're called to serve under somebody else doing whatever they need you to do before you're released into your own ministry. And you'll have people working underneath you doing the same thing as well. And truthfully, sometimes people are doing the work that we should be doing. You know, I never want it to be said of me that somebody else is doing the work that God had me to do. I always want to be available. I always want to say, God, use me how you want to use me because... I think that would be an awful thing to find out that somebody was doing your job the whole time. In Acts 6, 1-4, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected and the daily distribution and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of god to serve tables therefore brothers pick out from among you seven men of good repute full of the spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word you know there was a need that needed to be filled and how many know i bet you the disciples would have done it if nobody would have stood up and done it because they were willing to serve in whatever it took but how many know that They had a job to do, and if they were doing that, they wouldn't have been able to do the job that they were doing. I wonder if nobody would have stepped up and filled that role, and they had to do it. If the the church would have grown at a different rate, would things be different today if people weren't willing to step up into the ministry that they were called to do? And another thing that we can point out using the same example of the body is, is that we need varied parts. How many of you know if you walked up and saw somebody and, and they had their two ears, right, but in their eyes there was ears as well, and they had an ear on their nose and an ear on their mouth and a couple of ears growing out of their neck? We would think that was kind of odd. I mean, there would be first off, there would be some things that couldn't happen. How many of you know if you've got an ear for a mouth, you're going to have trouble eating and speaking? The, the body, if everybody's trying to do the same thing, instead of filling the roles in the body that it needs, that you're going to have strife, you're going to have headbutting, you're going to have things that are not getting done. Just like in a human body, if everything were ears, in the body of Christ, if everybody were musicians, who would teach the children? We would recognize that there was something wrong. If everybody was a singer on the worship team, who would, who would get the chairs ready? Who would act as ushers and greeters? Who would do the cleaning? Who would do the website? Who would do the graphic design work? Who would do the accounting if everybody were one thing? But the thing is, the truth is, the body of Christ is apprised of many different roles, and we all have different callings in our lives, that we need to fulfill them. And like I said, some of them just don't seem like something you'd want to do. When I used to, my first job that I ever got, I was a dishwasher at JB's down in Sierra Vista. And, uh, you know, it's easy to get a job as a dishwasher because there's no real, real previous requirements. You just got to be in there and be willing to work. And it's, it's, it's not thought of as the best job. It's You know, it's it's smelly, you get wet, you get dirty, you're messing with people's half eaten It's not, on the outside looking in, it's not a great job. And that's why it's the easiest one to get, because nobody wants to do it. But the dishwasher, I would say, is still one of the most important roles in the restaurant. Because if the dishwasher stops washing dishes, what is the food going to be served on? What are people going to eat off of? What are the cooks going to cook with? You know, if if the dishwasher just goes home... Guess what somebody's going to start washing dishes. That job is very important. And the same goes in the body of Christ. There's there's all these different jobs, you know, and the, the one that I always like to use is the, the person that cleans the toilet because everyone gets a good laugh and that's the, you know, nobody wants to clean toilets. But the thing is, if you've ever walked into any place, any business, and you walk into the bathrooms and the bathrooms are filthy and nasty, you'll just want to walk right back out. You know, if the bathrooms look like this, a public area, what's the what's the kitchen look like? You know what's the, so these these roles even the smallest roles are so incredibly important in march of 1981 president reagan was shot by john hinckley jr and was hospitalized for several weeks although reagan was the nation's chief executive his hospitalization had little impact on the nation's activity government continued on on the other hand suppose the garbage collectors in this country went on strike as they did long ago in philadelphia that city was not only a literal mess The pile of decaying trash quickly became a health hazard. A three-week nationwide strike would paralyze the country. What seems to be less honorable positions are actually so important that they could shut down a country. And the same is true in the the body of Christ. Even though we're many members in the body of Christ, even though we each have a, a role that we need to be empowered to do, we also need to recognize that we are one body as well. We work together. And the truth is that each and every person in this room has an important role to play. And our goal as a church is to equip people so that they can fulfill that role. So we're going to continue on uh, as Paul uh, Paul goes on with the same analogy. In 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 27, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So we just talked about, right? The dishwashers and the garbage collectors of the world. The the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Every member of the body relies on another part. Can you imagine if this morning I said, you know what, children's workers, we don't need them anymore. We would have all of our children in here. They'd be restless. It'd be harder for us to, to listen and, and and hear what's going on. They would be bored because, let's face it, I can barely keep you guys entertained, let alone a bunch of kids. What if I said, you know what, this morning I think we don't need the worship team anymore. You know what, no more worship team. Worship would have been a little bit awkward because we're all just standing here waiting. The truth is, is that every part is needed. What if I said, you know what, I don't think we need anything cleaned anymore. I think it would be the last time you came in my house if you if you saw what this house like. I got three three kids, two teenagers and one going on it quick. <laughs> if we didn't clean you guys would be like, eh, see ya. See the truth is is that every part of the body is important and we can't ignore any one part or get rid of any, any one part and and we all have a part to play. And the truth is that if you're asked to serve in an area that you might not think is good enough for you, might, you might think that maybe I'm, I'm, I'm a little too skilled for this, I'm overqualified. Just remember that, that Paul says the parts that we deem less honorable, God has bestowed the greater honor. But then you might say, wait a minute, you asked me to serve there, not God. I know what my calling is. You're the one that asked me to clean the toilet. But you know that God's going to speak to you through other godly men? That's how God's going to speak to you. It's through other godly men. And the truth is that we need to be willing and obedient to serve no matter what. Pastor Andy Elms, he's got those churches in England. Um, the way they do it there is, is, is in his one, even though people have different giftings and calling, he doesn't let anybody work in an area for more than six months. Every six months they rotate no matter what. Because he doesn't want people to begin to think that they're, you know, this is, they're God's gift to the church, when rather we should be servants. But the greatest part about that, no matter what's going on, no matter where you serve, is that we are one body. We are the body of Christ, even though we're individually members of it. And we find here that if one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Because of that, no matter where we are serving, When the kingdom of heaven, when the church of Christ is successful, we are all honored with that. We can rejoice together with that. When somebody gets promoted or somebody is being sent out to the mission field or somebody is being sent out to plant a church, all these things, we can rejoice with them, even though it may not be us that's doing the the going at the time because we are one body and, and we operate together as one. On the subject of it's not my calling, let's take a look at 2 Timothy 4.5. As for you, always be sober minded, endure, endure suffering, suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. This is, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. And the first thing we have to recognize is we see Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor that Paul had raised up and sent out. He said, first off, always be sober minded. You know, we have to take this stuff seriously. As a church, we need to take seriously evangelizing, equipping, and empowering people to do the work. And as as members of the body of Christ, we need to take what God has for us to do seriously as well. We need to be sober-minded about it. We also find that that we need to endure suffering. I don't think anybody in this room can say, I I like suffering, sign me up. Maybe Donna, she wanted to clean the toilets. But that's... That's not suffering. (laughs) But... guess it depends on the toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <laughs> see Donna, now you got me distracted. I don't know where I was. Oh, that was my fault. I'm just kidding. <laughs> see, that's what happens when you make toilet jokes. You get all messed up. You don't know where you're at. Uh, oh my. Oh my. So, <laughs> I mean, you know that, that working in your calling sometimes is going to be tough. You're gonna to have to endure suffering. Sometimes it's not gonna be easy. You know, we've been uh, when we realized we were called to be pastors. My wife and I. First off, I fought with God for about a year and a half. I didn't want to do it. When I was when I was growing up, I remember specifically telling a friend of mine, his dad was a pastor. So, you know, I, I said I really appreciate what your dad does. I, I appreciate that he's a pastor, but I could never do it. God's like, yeah, we'll see. And I I fought with God for about a year, year and a half. And then finally I said, you know what, God, all right, I'll do it. And my wife fought with God for another year and a half. And then we said, All right, God, we'll do it. And how many like I was thinking, all right, we fought with God for a year and I said, I'll do it. I figured I was gonna step out the door and have a huge congregation, we'd be ready to go. I mean no, it didn't work like that. I mean, there was, some, there was some suffering that had to be endured. We went for a couple years trying to get a Bible study going and couldn't keep anybody coming. It was, it was a rough couple years. But the truth is, to fulfill your calling, you're going to endure some sufferings. You're going to have some late nights. You're going to have to get up early. You're going to have to work hard. And that's what Paul's saying is be ready for that. And then he says this, do the work of an evangelist. Timothy was not an evangelist. That was not his calling. Timothy's calling was to be a pastor. But Paul still says do the work of an evangelist. Sometimes we have to do stuff that's not in our calling. And then finally, he says fulfill your ministry. If you want to fulfill your ministry, if you want to step out into your calling, as a church we want to equip you and we want to empower you to do so. To step out under authority to do things the right way but I'm going to, you've got to step out. You've got to actually fulfill your ministry. You see, like I said, Paul had introduced Timothy to Jesus Christ. He's the one who evangelized to him. Then he began to train him and equip him, and he served underneath him for, for many years, and then he sent him out to fulfill his ministry. He says, it's going to take work. You're going to have to focus. It might even hurt a little bit. It might mean you're going to have to do things that you're not necessarily called to do. It's like me personally, I'm not called to be a worship leader. It's not my calling. I'll do it because I have to. But that's not my calling, and I'm not terribly great at it, but I will get up here every Sunday morning and do it if I have to. I'm willing to do what has to be done. And the same is going to be true in, in your ministry as you step out, as you grow and work. There's going to be some things that you have to do that you might not want to do, or you may not be good or gifted at, or it may not be your calling, but we have to do them. But then finally, it it depends on you being willing to step out. There's nobody that can do that for you. No matter how much training and equipping and and empowering that is done, you still have to make that decision. So the first step that we have to look at in getting ready to step out into our calling to be empowered to operate in our ministry is we can find in Luke 16.12. It says, if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own?" The first step into stepping out into your own ministry is serving faithfully in another's. If you want to have your own field, you need to serve faithfully in another man's field. Once again, using my life as an example, I, had to serve, I served under Pastor Mike in the church in Tucson for how long were we down there? Ten years before I was able to step out into my own ministry. Even though many years before that, I felt that there was a calling of God on my life but how would god trust me with with my own if i couldn't even work faithfully in somebody else's and the truth is is that's the first part of stepping out into your ministry to being empowered to fulfill your ministry is to is to get involved in the vision of somebody else's sometimes this means that we'll get the opportunity to serve in our calling and sometimes it means that we'll be serving wherever there is a need once again Us growing up and underneath Pastor Mike we operated as life group leaders which was operating in in that pastoral calling which I had in my life but I also served on on the worship team I also went in there and put up chairs and we mopped floors and we vacuumed and we did everything that had to be done when we were building that church I was in there you know with those pads on my knees laying tile and doing all those things because sometimes you just need to serve and it doesn't matter where and just be faithful and the truth is Uh, Something that Pastor Mike used to always say, and it's brilliant really, is that talented people are a dime a dozen, but faithful people, those are hard to come by. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know that if you'll be faithful... God will give more to you as well. And in Matthew 25:20 20 through 29 it says and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing you remember this is a story of the talents bringing five talents more saying master you delivered to me five talents here I have made five talents more he was faithful with his master's talents and his master said to him well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over little I will set you over much enter into the joy of your master. We find the same thing happens with the, the man who was given two talents. He says, And he said to who, he who had the two talents, Come forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over more into the joy of your master. But then he also who had received the one talent came forward and saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what, you, here, have what is yours. This man, he wasn't faithful to what had been given to him. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more, has will more be given, and he who has an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. See, this story is a perfect example of those who were faithful with what were given to him, more was given to them. But those who were not faithful with what was given to them, even what they had was given to another, who would what? Who would be faithful with it. And the same happens in the body of Christ. We need to be faithful with what God has called us to do, either serving in another man's field, and as we step out into our own, or otherwise, God's going to have to have somebody else do it. And like I said, we don't ever want to be the people that say that somebody is doing what God called me to do personally. So Jesus sets our example for this because Jesus is the one who did this first. In Matthew 10, 1, it says he called to him his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. See, so it started with, with Jesus and the apostles that he went out and he, he reached these, these men. He said, come with me, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And then they walked with him for a number of years, for, for uh, three years in total when it came to the end. But he, they studied underneath him. They were trained by him. So he, he evangelized them. Then he equipped them. And then here he empowers them. He says he called them as 12 disciples. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction. He trained them and then he sent them out into their calling, into their ministry. <clears throat> and the truth is, this is the same calling that each and every one of us has been giving. Now many people would, would argue that, uh, <clears throat> no, this was, this was for the apostles, not for us. And we'll spend a little time in a few minutes, and I'll show you that actually this is not just for the apostles, but this is Jesus' example for us to evangelize, to equip, and then empower each and every one of us in this room to go out and fulfill our ministry. We want to follow in the example of Jesus as well. The truth is that there's people in this room that are preachers and teachers and pastors. An evangelist. You've spent your life in training. You've actually been equipped. When you go to church services, you spend time being discipled. You're you're being equipped in another man's field, being prepared to be sent out into your own. Each and every one of us has our own ministry that God wants us to have, that we need to step out into and do the work that He's called us. And then the truth is, the cycle continues. You know, we're going to plant churches out of this church, just like I was planted out of another. And the churches that we plant will continue to plant churches so we can reach this world for Jesus Christ. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20 we find the Great Commission, or as it's been referred to in, in the, the American church, the Great Omission. And Jesus came and said to them, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is our calling, each and every one of us in this room. We are called to preach the gospel. We are called to make disciples, not converts, but disciples. And we are to teach and equip them. And like I said, this calling, the last two scriptures we looked at, wasn't just for the disciples. Many people would argue that no, Jesus was speaking specifically to the disciples. This isn't for us today, this is for them, for them back then. But if we look at just a couple of examples in scriptures, is, is Stephen... And Philip the Evangelist. Not Philip the Apostle, but Philip the Evangelist. In Acts 6, 1-6, we read the story of the, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, the widows that, that uh, weren't being fed. So those men were raised up to feed the widows. It says, in these days, in Acts 6, 1-6, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And that's when they continue to go on and say that, well, that's, it's not good for us to do the waiting of tables. Let's, let's bring some men up to be rose up. So it says in verse 5 then, if you go down to verse 5, it says, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochris, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Permanus and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, a couple of the names I want to point out is Stephen and Philip the evangelist. Because they started serving in another man's field. They started waiting tables, feeding, getting food to the widows that were being neglected. In Acts 6, chapter 8, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. How many know Stephen wasn't an apostle, but he was fulfilling these very things here? And then the verse before, He had authority over unclean spirits. He was doing great miracles and healing diseases and afflictions. He was doing all these great things. It says that he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen wasn't an apostle, but he still was doing these things that Jesus had commanded. And what about Philip? In Acts 8, 5 through 7, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. He was out there preaching the gospel. And it says, And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him, and they saw signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. How many of you would agree that that description is exactly what is talked about in this verse here, preaching the gospel, and this one here, casting out unclean spirits? But Philip was not an apostle. Matter of fact, we find out in Acts 21, eight. this is what they refer to him. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist. I want you to know that these commandments were not just for the apostles, but they were for each and every one of us. And our goal as a church is to raise people up and equip them so that we can fulfill the Great Commission. We want people to know about Jesus, to give them the same opportunity that we have to be made brand new, to be forgiven, to be loved, to be made whole. In Romans 10, 13 through 15, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him and whom they have not heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Our mission to equip men and women and then send them out is a heavenly mission. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many know that that's, that's good news? How many like the word everyone there? I'm so glad that God's like, nope. I've picked out a handful of people that can be saved, and the rest of you guys, I'm just going to brush you to the side. But this opportunity for salvation is for everyone. Everyone who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But there's a catch to that. And he goes on to explain it. The catch is, is that, well, how will they call on them if they've not believed? And how will they believe in someone whom they've never heard of? And how are they to hear about someone without someone preaching? And how is someone going to preach unless they are sent? This is our responsibility. To make sure that people have the opportunity to hear the gospel, to hear the word of God. And I thank God that just by doing so, you are beautiful. Because it says how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is our calling in life. In 2 Timothy 2, 1-5, it says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. starting to see a pattern. Equipping faithful men, sending them out. It says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And then Titus, Titus is another one of of the men that was raised up underneath Paul, who was a pastor as well. This is what Paul says to Titus. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Titus and Timothy were instructed to raise men up and send them out, empowering them to fulfill their ministry in the gospel as well. We find that once again, you know, it's funny, you, you read the scripture and you begin to see patterns and you see stuff over and over. One, we find that we're supposed to raise people up, equip them, send them out. Once again, we're, we're here to share in suffering. You know, that once again, it's not always going to be easy. One of the greatest disservices that we can do to new believers is tell them that, that once you get saved, it's all lollipops and gumdrops after that. Just cotton candy and suckers and you, it's just going to be amazing. You'll never have a care in the world. Nothing will ever bother you. It's just going to be so easy. Anybody experience that after you got saved? Not me. Stuff was still hard sometimes. I found that I was equipped differently to deal with it. And that I was able to persevere. And God had made me victorious. But you know what? There was still some suffering. There were still some tough times. And then he says to him, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. What he's saying there is that if you're a soldier in the army, how many know that that we're soldiers in the army of God? A soldier is only worried about obeying and serving his commander. That's his primary focus. He gets his orders and he does his orders. He's not concerned with worldly things, but rather he has a one-track mind. We're soldiers in, heavenly, in a heavenly armor, and Jesus Christ is our commander. He's the one our focus should be on, obeying what he has told us. And what he's told us is to go out in the world and make disciples. The same thing goes for athletes in this one here. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. If you knew a little bit about uh, the athletes of those times, they would separate them off for about 10 months. And all they did was train for 10 months straight. They, they didn't deal with anything else. And that was how they did it. If, if It was considered an honor to, be, to compete in the Olympics, and they set you aside, and that's all you did was train, to be ready for the Olympics. One-track minds focused on their prize. And that's what he's, he's telling us to do as well. Let's be focused. Let's not be distracted by the world and, and the things of this world, the American dream, or any of that stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. All that stuff can be good, but what is your priority? to fulfill your ministry or to just live a good life? In Matthew 9, 37 through 38, we find out that the truth is that there's work to be done. It says, then he said, in Matthew 9, 37, it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. All that we do All the equipping, all the training is towards this one goal, to reach the harvest, to reach people for the Lord, to to tell people that, you know what, there's a God who loves you. He cares about you so much that he sent his only son to die for you, that you could be made brand new, that not only could you be forgiven, but you could be freed from the bondage of sin and the bondage of death, that you could be made brand new, that the old person that you were is dead and gone if you'll accept Jesus Christ and be given a brand new life. There's people out there that need this hope. They need this, this encouragement. But they'll never know if we don't go out into the field. You know, even though, if you watch the news, it may seem like, that no, there's nobody out there that wants this. Even if you go out and talk to people sometimes, you're like, man, the Bible says it's ripe for harvest, but nobody wants anything to do with Jesus. But the truth is is that people really are hungry for something. They have a hole that they don't know how to fill. They're looking everywhere for it to be filled up, but they don't know. When I first got saved, I had that same attitude that many people do. The exact same attitude where I didn't want anybody to talk to me about Jesus. I imagine many people in this room, before you got saved, people started to come talk to you about Jesus. You just wanted them to go away. But finally, somebody talked to you. Somebody said something to you. And it finally clicked. You finally heard. What if, once you rejected him once, nobody ever came back to you? Where would you be? The truth is, is the Bible says the fields are ripe unto harvest. And we need to pray for workers to go out there and go out into the field to preach the gospel to take in a great harvest for the kingdom of heaven. And I always love this verse because I, I think it's kind of tricky. I think this is this is Jesus kind of tricking you. He says, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the field. Servant's so like, all right, I can do that. Father, I just pray that you would send out laborers into the field. And he goes, done, it's you. <laughs> That's what's going to happen when you pray. Don't be, don't be surprised if you find out that the answer is, yeah, I meant you to go out there and do it. But I want you to know that as we go out into the field, that we're not going out unprepared. Not only are we going to be equipped in this body and and worked together and be discipled and be ready in season and out of season, but I also want you to know that you have heavenly power as well. In Acts 1-8 through it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are empowered to be witnesses by the Holy Spirit. Don't be worried about what to say because the Holy Spirit will give you words to say to touch people's lives. You'll find that when you're out there ministering to people, you'll have scriptures pop into your mind. And you're like, I don't even remember. I don't even remember. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I got distracted by a baby. Sorry, he's smiling at me. <laughs> but you don't be surprised if you'll find that you, I don't even remember reading this scripture. And it comes to your head and it's just the, the right one to touch somebody's life. The Holy Spirit will give you boldness if you'll ask for it. He'll give you strength to go forward. We don't fight, and we find that we don't fight against flesh and blood. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of all evil in the heavenly places. You know, when we're going out there and people are rejecting us, rejecting Christ, it's not the people that 's the problem, but it's the, 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 the powers and principal, the, the authorities of this this earth right now, the what I just talked about, the cosmic powers of the present darkness, the spiritual forces. this is the stuff that we're dealing with, and we're not fighting uh, a physical war, so we don't have physical weapons, but rather we're fighting a spiritual war. And the Holy Spirit is our spiritual weapon who gives us the power to combat it to finally break through those walls and make an impact in people's lives. We're called to be witnesses to this world, to tell them about Jesus. And like I said, the goal of this body is to disciple people, to train them, to equip them, that they can be effective in reaching people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last scripture that we are going to look at today is Philemon 1.6, and it says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Paul says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. You know what, that's the same thing that I pray for us. I pray that the sharing of our faith would be effective. I pray that when you go and you meet somebody in the grocery store and you feel like God says, you know what, speak to them. Tell them that I love them or find out what's going on. I pray that the sharing of your faith at that that moment would be effective. When you speak to somebody that's hurting, and you know the only answer for them is Jesus, and you share that, I pray, the sharing of your faith would be effective. And we should all be praying that, that. The sharing of our faith would be effective to touch people's lives. Because the truth is, there are people in this world that need the love of Jesus Christ desperately. Most of them don't even know it. And then there are those who do know it, but they feel so ashamed. They feel so unworthy. But we need to share our faith and pray that it's effective and let them know that, you know what, there is a God who loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've done because it's not based on what you've done. He loves you in spite of what you've done. There is nothing that you could have done that's so bad to make God turn His back on you. And you don't have to get yourself, you ever heard that heard the, I need to get myself right with God before I go to church? I want you to know that without Jesus, you can't make yourself right with God. How about you come to church and, and meet Jesus and then get right with God? But there's people that need His love, they need His power, they need to be redeemed, they need to be restored. And that's our job, that's our calling. And as a church, that is our goal, is to, to reach people for Jesus, to train them up, and to send them out to do the same. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, uh, stand our feet.